0: Hi everyone, it's my absolute pleasure to host Kumuda Chandrasekharan, a beautiful dancer, teacher and choreographer associated with the Temple of Fine Arts in Bangalore. She has also pursued her research studies in dance education at the Royal Academy of Dance in London. I chose the topic of unlearning very consciously because I think as you grow in your career, we sort of become complacent with where we are and in some ways that complacency requires some bit of unlearning to relearn for our own personal growth. I thought the combination of bringing in art and understanding unlearning really helps because I feel dance, especially Bharatanatyam, is full of rules and a set of guidelines. And to unlearn in that requires you to really look at your mindset. And so this conversation ponders through Kumuda's journey of unlearning in dance while we draw a correlation to our own personal work experience as professionals and how do we go through the art of unlearning? What are some of the nuances that we need to take care of when we go through the unlearning process consciously or unconsciously? One of the key takeaways for me from this conversation with Kumada has been that unlearning is not necessarily taking out something that doesn't fit anymore but it's also about new things that you discover about yourself that you have to unlearn. This conversation with Kumita not only really talks about the art of unlearning but also covers power of vulnerability, community and self-awareness uh, that really helps in the process of unlearning. I hope this episode helps you to evaluate the rigidness or complacency that you might have in your own career journey and reflect on how you could go through a process of unlearning. The previous episode with Sandeep as well as this episode with Kumuda, brings in a creator's perspective of how they go through an unlearning journey. And I think there's a lot of parallel we can draw to our own professional journey and see how unlearning plays a pivotal role in our career growth. As always, I hope you like this episode and I hope to see more of you in my future episodes. Thank you. Earlier when I was a kid, my mum used to say, music as well as math, they're a good combination mm-hmm. which sort of works not just in terms of connecting the cells together, mm. your neurons together, yeah. but also from a memory perspective because it does. you're allowing the analytical and the logical, uh, the, the creative side to sort of play with each other.
1: That's actually what I was going to say. So it's not like you store it like a hard drive Mm. it's not that kind of a memory you Mm. have like very associated memory you Mm. you know this like i was saying Mm. i forgot hamsudwani but i remember like 20 songs Mm. you know so like Mm. the memory is there so it's very associated connected you make like richer connections and so the memory is like caught like that so it's not like a standalone i can't remember dates i can't even remember my wedding date Oh, uh, my birth study. date like you know like when people start wishing I'm like shit my birthday is like around the corner <laughs> so yeah I have horrible memory for dates I have horrible memory for where I keep stuff uh-huh. So all that I completely suck, and that's also I think I mean I'm, I'm I just say oh it's a very artist thing, it's a very <laughs> artist thing, and I just like <laughs> get away with
0: it. I can't even use that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> They'll have eye popping looks though, there, really. <laughs> no, but
1: actually it's supposed to be the other way around. Oh. You know, like then you 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 usually carry like an entire kit bag, so you should know like where you're keeping like all your stuff, and so you can't even really get away with that excuse and. I'm not like an artist where, you know, you have someone collecting your things behind yeah. you. After, I still have to like collect everything and go, <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Welcome on board, Kumbhada. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you in the Attitude Makeover podcast. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Sajanya. It's really a pleasure to um, actually be spotted for your work. And uh, more so when, you know, it's not just like the dance world and you know, it makes sense a little outside of it. So thank you so much for having me. Well,
0: I must thank the article you wrote. (laughs) I think that was very intriguing, very detailed. Normally when you go through these topics like uh, unlearning, Mm. um, what I've seen is it's very theoretical. Mm. The aspect of one's journey and the personalized part of it what one goes through is missing. Mm. I think first thing when I read it was, it is so thorough that I could relate with some of the unlearning processes I've been going through. And then when I spoke to you, you brought the human aspect of it as well, Mm. right? Like the questioning and all that stuff. So I think it's about time we actually have it in more detail. So anybody going through that process or thinking of going through that, Mm. um, this should really help them. In really rediscovering the process, is that right? Yeah. so first of all, let me begin with uh, who is kumuda <laughs>
1: <laughs> well uh, um, I'm a dancer, uh, I think that just there's just one word without you know the many aspects of it, even define I think the way I do things, um, so I could actually just stop with that one word. Uh, but um well i teach choreograph dance i come from this institution Templar fine arts which actually kind of made me the kind of dancer that i am their mission uh, the institution's mission the founder's mission is art just for the love of it and i think in my entire childhood and like teenage um there was really no more, no other purpose to my dancing so it was just so much fun it was just you know, so amazing to like go through those learning years, performing years, growing years. Um, So that forms a lot of my identity as a dancer. Mm. Uh, I still continue to like teach, choreograph. Uh, Much of my active dancing work comes from TFA. Um, I moved to Bangalore and uh, I always knew that whatever I do as a dancer needs to reach a little outside the Fraternity, the sphere of dance. Um, I think, you know it's not necessary for everyone to do that, but for some, it just is a necessary thing. Uh, so then I started working with children using movement, and uh, so I started working with different organizations that thought that movement is essential in learning and growing in the way you shape yourself. Uh, I piloted a project for Spastic Society. Um, I was there with them for like about eight, 10 years. Uh, building this project uh, for about 200-300 children Uh, we actually put up a lovely musical which is a wonderful memory, uh, a flowering tree Uh, and I worked with several organizations where I trained their teachers to incorporate movement in their teaching Um, and and so the work keeps growing Mm -hmm. like that. I also write um, for a bunch of publications uh, on dance on education, on Uh, you know areas of interest really Uh, well I recently completed my research at Royal Academy of Dance I think that's the most recent addition to my resume yeah so this has been dance uh, has been
0: the major that you've been studying from what, like post
1: 12th or even before that I hold a postgraduate in computer science oh oh my god look (laughs) at this (laughs) (laughs) but well I just use it to you know work with my gadgets Uh, yeah but I did my postgraduate studies in computer science uh, and uh, I did also study uh, inclusion in spastics when I started my work there so uh, for me that social aspect of you know using art Came from, I think, that uh, one year of learning. Okay. Uh, In fact, this uh, recent research is my first (laughs) degree in dance. (laughs) Oh, oh, really? Yes.
0: (laughs) So how long have you been learning dance?
1: Mm, So my mother is a dance teacher. Okay. She was one of the first teachers of TFA, the center that I come from. And uh, so I really don't remember. I mean, this is just a very blur you know, a lot of people ask me this question and I just don't remember the day I started dancing. Mm. Um, I, you know, so my mother used to just take me along for dance classes and I'd just sit for like five, six hours through, you know, she'd teach right from basics to like the senior bra- batches and I would just like sit there and like watch. And I think the learning had learned that because the first day I actually got up to dance in a dance class, I actually knew most of, you know, oh. what I had to be doing for the next couple of years. So, I think the dancing really started really early Mm. and very unconsciously. Uh, But I think I would say serious learning somewhere about 25. I recently completed 25 years of my Arangetram. Okay. So, I would maybe then, before that, I think it's just like an after school activity. So, yeah. Well,
0: you look very young.
1: (laughs) I also started very young. I think I must have started when I was like three or four. Are you serious? Yeah. So the sitting and learning with my mom. Mm. And she was very serious about it. She was like, you know, like you're getting there very soon. Very soon. So I actually didn't even think of an option of like not getting up and doing this someday.
0: But you enjoy it as well?
1: Mm, To be honest, not in the beginning. Okay. Uh, Um... I think there was a point, um, you know, there was a point when it really became my thing. Mm. It was a point when I knew I wanted to do this all the time. Uh, I mean, maybe not take only one thing, like I said, I do diversify with my engagement. But I knew that dance had to be the center of everything that I do. Mm. Uh, that was pretty late. That was not, uh, you know, when I was five or when I was born or anything like that. My teenage years were very difficult. I didn't want to be a dancer. I hated makeup. Uh, so, you know, so we had to perform quite a bit. I think uh, yeah. at that, there was a phase when we used to perform a lot. Uh, so I used to just hate that entire three hours of makeup yeah. and All of those things so I was just waiting to get out of that streak so very honestly no Um, I always loved dancing uh, but like you know not the very typical trajectory that um, I need a little bit I mean of course mainstream performance Mm. teaching is very much a part of my practice but it doesn't limit to that so I would say like much later a good eight Seven, eight years into my learning is when I started becoming serious about, about dancing. dancing. Yeah. It's sort of, I can correlate with the makeup that my daughter
0: used to learn Kathak. Uh-huh. And I was telling you know, from yeah. seven years, she was very good as well. Hmm. Um, I think you have the chakras, right? Uh, yes, the
2: pirvets. yeah. So,
0: I'm very graceful as well. But I think the makeup is what really was not her cup of tea. And she hated it. (laughs) And every performance, she'd come back and she'd say, oh, it's going to take three hours to remove this now. (laughs) Because you have to keep uh, layers of layers. You have to remove them, right? And one fine day, she said, this is it. But she still does her own choreography. Um, But she does more Western. Hmm. But that bit of... uh, understanding rhythm, understanding beats mm. and thereby choreographing your yeah. own music yeah. or your own dance form. Yeah. Uh, I still see that in her. So hopefully someday there's still a... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it sometimes just comes back. So... Yeah. <laughs> and it's good too. I think I, I say this for like even my students. I think it's necessary for them to like really engage because they want to. Yeah. yeah. You know, you so that's push just... Yeah, just yeah. very important.
0: Yeah. 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 So... I want to dive into our core subject for today. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of unlearning, how did it really start for you? Because you had a long journey of learning dance and I think Bharatanatyam as it is, or I think you're doing more than Bharatanatyam as well, isn't it, first Mm -hmm. of all? Mm -hmm. So they all have a process. There's there's a method on how you learn it. Yeah. Have you go from one level to another? There's a there's a process that's worked for ages. Yeah. How did you sort of bump into unlearning first of all?
2: Mm, um,
1: I think like we were casually conversing the other day when uh, when this whole thing started, I didn't have a word to it. Um, it was just a very bodily sensation, you know, like uh, I wouldn't really say discomfort, but like a little bit of a you know some kind of a knot in your stomach and you know you had to do something about it you have to find out what this is you have to find out why you're feeling you know like every every day in my practice i w- i would feel and that's also like you know typically every five years or seven years of your dancing as you if you if you are a practitioner that has taken this through decades mm like what you do as a dancer, how you perform, how you dance, I think these things change. Mm. You can't like you know learn a certain way on day one and do it through your 30s, through your your 20s, through your teens. Every like seven years how you do things have to keep changing. Mm. So I guess in the earlier years it was very unconscious. Um, You know at some point of time when you know your body tells you Um, certain things you just like listen to it it's just a very obvious one Uh, but this this particular uh, phase when I actually gave it a word gave it a form and then like seriously incorporated it into practice into like many activities that I did uh, it literally just started as a bodily sensation it started as you know like something that I had to like figure out Mm -hmm. really not even change or modify or It's something that I had to figure out and then slowly it became about I mean I was also crossing uh, you know a stage in my life where I could just dance for dance without you know serious warm-up so this was also a stage when you know now I had to like really warm up Mm. uh, to dance so I mean I, I know that in a sense that's essential even earlier but like you know in your early years you just happily dance, you don't like really take it very seriously. So uh, what started like that? Then eventually, you know, took forms. I started journaling about it. I started writing about practice during the pandemic. I wrote a series of articles for the Hindu and I spoke to some serious practitioners who talk about a mindful practice. and then my own course, my uh, course at Royal Academy of Dance, was taking me through pedagogy, through laban, through somatics. Mm. And when I landed on somatics, I also had a tool to actually go through with what was happening to me. So I actually used somatics as an instrument or a tool to do the unlearning that I needed to do Ooh, in my body. So somatics li- really is a way of thinking. Okay. Um, plain and simple, uh, as basic as it gets. So somatic thinking in dance is something where the extent of awareness is very deep in terms of, you know, how you hold your hands, you know, how you move from here to there, uh, even things like, you know, flow movements, how do you now figure your weight out, where's your where's your center? So the awareness then helps you, like, do a little uh, more of uh, a mindful dancing. Uh. Okay. So then when the somatics module happened, I think then unlearning actually then became a word. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started like doing this in my practice. It came into my practice first. I started just doing my basic adavus, just even my warm up, you know, like the warm up is a lot for like a lot of strength stretching. And I realized that I needed more strengthening Mm -hmm. in my warm up. So just like very conscious understanding of like maybe I should have equal stretching and strengthening and you know like the warm-up itself sometimes is not about like doing a lot uh, and also understanding your body I uh, have like very high metabolism so my warm-up can take away all my energy. Hmm. So to then say okay my warm-up should be in a way where it just puts me ready to dance and doesn't suck out all my energy. So even little little realizations like this starting from my warm-up I started thinking about, you know, where my movement is coming from. Is it coming from my core, from my shoulders, from my, like, extremities, from my distal ends, for example. And, like, the whole Adavu dancing process then became almost like a way of getting to know myself and my dancing better. So, and it really, you know, like, you know, it was fantastic. I would practice and then journal and then thankfully my students were very receptive to these ideas. So then I then took it, uh, we were all doing online classes. So it's not like I could put my hand inside the screen and correct their posture or correct their hands. So I had to literally articulate everything. And I had to tell them, feel this from the inside, uh, you know, understand where your position is, where your center is, where your RMD and is, you know, the works. Um, so then when also in students I started, see saw it working, it kind of then became... Uh, like a direction Mm. to take so yeah it took i think a good few months for me to like really you know move from practice to you know this idea of unlearning
0: to first think about it to feel it all the way to really conceptualize it as unlearning and go through that process and and practice it and practice it yeah so this semantic model Can you go a little more deeper into that? Uh, Is that a framework, Mm. uh, Kumuda, or is it only for dance? Or can you sort of go like sixty feet above Mm. and sort of paint a picture of how would one look at it?
1: So somatics, like I said, is a way somatics. Uh, So it's a way of thinking, really, Mm. Uh, a very um, you know dealing with intrinsic feedback. Understanding how your body works, you know, like we all have different lengths uh, with our arms, with with the neck, um, you know, how heavy is your shoulder, uh, how heavy are your feet, how mm. heavy is your trunk. So all of this goes, all of this feedback then goes slowly into understanding how you should modulate your movement, how you should be doing this, how you should be getting to a position, for example. So... Um, uh, somatics literally like every there are so many uh, somatic practices today yoga is a somatic practice pilates mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. um the alexander technique is uh, so many like i you could just keep counting with like two hands um so all of these are somatic practices which takes the central ideology of intrinsic feedback knowing your body mm-hmm. and respecting what your what your individual feedback is so I think that's the very center of somatic thinking where you know especially in a classical form we are very uh, conscious about the external eye you know about how this is looking to someone else how this is working or not for a certain platform how does how do how do how do audience probably see this so there's a very uh, conscious consideration of what the external eye is and so, somewhere the intrinsic feedback just fades out. Mm. You know, like, what do you want to do? Like, how do you want to do this? Um, and so, individuality, like, really comes up when, you know, somatic thinking kicks, t- kicks Got in. Got it. So. And I, I want to sort of go back to the
0: earlier conversation. Hmm. When you started feeling this bit of, I don't know what's a word, <laughs> but when you started feeling it, Yeah what were you going through? Was it anxiousness? Was it like frustration? Was it like, um, what is your self-talk like?
1: Um, for me, it was just something I had to figure out. It was a lot of curiosity. Mm. Um, because it, this is also a lot of years of something that I've been doing. So it's not easy to just like jump out of, you know, like something that you know, uh, and just say, okay, I'm going to change these things. Uh, uh, and in a sense, this was not very unfamiliar to me because, like I said, in TFA the the approach is very liberal. They, you know, we learn multiple forms. Uh, I myself have learned Odyssey and Kathak, uh, but not to perform and teach, but as ways to enrich my vocabulary. So, in a sense, we are not um, like my institution doesn't groom us in a way to think very unilaterally. Uh, there is like multiple perspectives always. Music is a very important part of your thought process Uh, but when this whole unlearning not or this I I mean for me it was curiosity it Mm. was like why 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 am I not feeling comfortable doing this so it was something that I just need to needed to solve for Mm. Uh, it was not anxiety for me uh, but it could be um, because you know something that felt right just recently suddenly doesn't You know you're doing the same thing uh, but it doesn't somehow feel right Um, so for me it was not anxiety simply because i think the pandemic helped so you had the time there wasn't a sense of urgency to say you know you had to get up and run and go somewhere and you know do something so thankfully the timing i think helped or maybe it was because of that this happened i don't really know Mm. Um, also while I was going through this I was constantly engaging I was still doing my course uh, uh, still my masters and uh, so on an everyday basis I was engaging with content material classes Mm. uh, that was helping me resolve this so
0: you were constantly um,
1: introspecting and
0: understanding what is really happening and
1: plus you were journaling as well I was I always journal um, and sometimes it's just a very short you know, whatever. Sometimes I even do a voice note. I just like record something that I'm feeling at that moment and, you know, something that makes sense to me later. Uh, But I just record that moment. Uh, So I journal in multiple ways. Um, But uh, yeah, I think the anxiety was possibly not there because uh, I was studying. I was, you know, actively uh, finding answers, maybe not the whatever is the right word or right answer right in the beginning. But I knew I was getting there. I knew I was headed somewhere. So I think then it was more like a curiosity and exploration for me than anxiety or those forms. So, w- the reason I ask that is not everything needs an unlearning
0: process. But, mm. you know, to discover that, okay, this is what... Yeah is a trigger for unlearning is the first step yeah and that step is not like very simple as a blinker that comes saying ah yeah you need to unlearn or someone coming and telling you you need to unlearn this bit yeah but you internally realizing that
1: yeah yeah
0: observing and then realizing right? yeah
1: so uh, i think we sometimes consciously or unconsciously unlearn You know, it's not like I was saying, I was probably unlearning much earlier than I had a word to it. Uh, And I'm sure everybody is, you know, Uh, we learn. I mean, you know, in a sense, it's not like the opposite of learning. Uh, It's kind of, you know, like a parallel thing. Like there are experiences that tell you this is how you do things and experiences that tell you this is not how you do things. So in a sense, it kind of goes hand in hand. It's not like you stop learning for a while and then you unlearn, which means throwing things out of your kitty. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't work so uh, exclusive. Uh, And I also think that this whole unlearning process, um, it can be different things. Like I said, it can be conscious, it can be unconscious. I think the pandemic has been a huge unlearning, whether we acknowledged it, whether we actually You know said oh this is what happened to me after I unlearned but I'm I'm sure there are so many people uh you know some of us talk about it some of us just go through it as a process of change um you know so I think that way uh, it's it's not something that one person suddenly discovered I'm I'm sure like hundreds and I was telling you about this conference that we did on unlearning and it was amazing like how much of uh you know uh how much people agreed in terms of the topics that were discussed there. Because we've all gone through this. And then you come and say, okay, like this is that. This was what I went yeah. through.
0: Right? It's yeah. more a reflective thing because kind you've of. gone through the process.
1: Yeah, I think
0: one part of it is also... So what I also understand here is... Um, it could be an unconscious thing. It could also be because of the constraints you're working in, on... Hmm it could be a change a massive change that has happened hmm. like in this case you were in a physical space and suddenly you were constrained to the covid situation and so yeah. your practice was changing yeah and thereby there's a change and thereby it triggered this but being aware of it is the first step
2: yes right yes
0: how do you go through the next once you're aware what happens
1: um i think Uh, there are some um, you know like things that are visible Uh, uh, like you know unlearning doesn't have to really reflect uh, I mean for in a very dancer perspective in a very dancer term uh, it can change the way you choreograph it can change the way you teach it can change the way you deal with your teacher it can change the way you deal with your students uh, it can change the way you deal with your audience you know, the people that you're working can change. Unlearning leads to all of this, you know, like sometimes you feel a little stuck, you know, working in a certain space. Um, but, you know, that's familiar. Uh, and that's comfortable. So, you know, for a while, you just keep doing that, because it's not bad, it's dancing after all. Uh, but then when these kind of triggers happen, you kind of go back to Like, why are you doing something? Like, why are you even dancing, for example? Mm. And while not all of them are, like, very philosophical uh, reflections, like I said, for me, it was changing the way I choreograph, Mm. literally. Because now I was choreographing not on a 20-year-old body myself. Mm. um, So I wouldn't, like, keep it very energetic. There had to be you know, like a pause and movement. and So there, there had to be more conscious pauses, uh, you know, those kind of things. There was a change in the way I was starting to choreograph personally. Uh, but also, how do you deal with it? it? Is you um, manifest it in small ways and like big ways? Even in terms of, you know, socially how you see your profession, uh, right? Is it inclusive? Is it uh, accommodating to you know like different um, um, sets of people is it di- is it accommodating to diversity so then you slowly start opening your head up to you know like so many more things that you can look at as a dancer like so it starts from just simple movement like how I execute this movement and then like where I transfer my weight you know how I do it how how do I cope up with speed when I something like that and something like You know, like I've actually always overseen these things because I somehow felt like it was never relevant to me as a dancer. Uh, And I think those things change. So, you know, it can lead to so much. It Mm. unravels Mm. on its own once you like let it happen. Uh, Sometimes it's very small. Uh, It's just like one little habit that you need to unlearn. Uh, Like possibly just a certain way of doing makeup, for Mm. instance. Mm. You know, it can be that, that simple. Or it can be, like you said, the way you choreograph, the way you see another dancer, the way you um, embrace another style, uh, you know, like appreciate a certain form of dance. Look for forms that you never even knew existed, for example. So, yeah. So. But
0: what you're also saying is, it, it is not like, today suddenly I've got this feeling and then tomorrow it's like, I want to be there it's it starts with baby steps it mm. starts with small steps mm. and as i up my game and yeah. work on that yeah it unravels a new perspective mm. for me to sort of come out of that zone that i was into a new
1: space um could be that mm. could be very much that but i think some of the you know key things that we were talking about also in the conference and which was also something that i was realizing that Unlearning is not necessary. Ta- necessarily taking out something old mm. and like putting in something new. Um, for all, you know, you unlearn a new habit that is not healthy for you that you formed maybe over the last four, five years, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like an old outdated something that you have to unlearn and throw away. Uh, it could be a new habit that is not working for you. For instance, like I was saying, a certain warm-up routine that I had built over the last Few years somehow was taking a lot of my energy, and I had to, you know, reconfigure my warm up. Uh, And that was not a very old thing. That Mm. was not like a, or for that matter, going to the other extreme, revisiting an old idea that somehow you just never related to and you do now. Mm. Um, So it's really not like old to new, Mm. but kind of looking at things. uh, I'm actually reminded of this. phrase that this uh, lovely scholar Kapila Vatsyayan used to say about creativity, Uh, she used to say it's about, um, I'm just like trying to recollect her exact words, Uh, she said uh, creativity is about making the um, ordinary extraordinary Hmm. and also the thing that makes extraordinary ordinary. Mm -hmm. So you know for me unlearning is about also like finding a new in a familiar. And finding the familiar in a new. Mm. So it's both ways. It's not mm. like you have to throw out the old and like, you know, bring in the new kind of a thing. Yeah. Got it. And this process mm. first starts with,
0: when you start mm. really discovering this, you probably went through everything, right? From your posture to yeah. everything, right? I'm That must have been the most difficult step. Hmm. to sort of introspect and say is it this is it this is it this do you go about listing everything or how do you go about to then Hmm. come and pivot on it's probably the posture it's probably the warm-up i'm going to try only the Hmm. warm-up how do you go about that is it like listing down everything that you're
1: seeing is i think from my experience i Hmm. think it is also very personal You know, the way a process like this works is also very individual and personal. And in a sense, for a dancer, it's not a very new thing. Mm. Um, You know, a dancer has to, you know, uh, for want of a better word, really, uh, repackage themselves a lot. Rediscover, repackage as well. I mean, by repackaging, I'm saying changing I mean you rediscover yes but always when you rediscover it's it's not really visible Mm -hmm. uh, what has changed so Mm -hmm. it's also necessary sometimes for that to reflect Mm -hmm. in in ways that you do things or actually don't do things Um, so um, so coming back to uh, this individuality itself in unlearning uh, I think for me it worked like a package Mm -hmm. you know so right right together it was a range of things it was my warm-up it was everything that needed that little reconfiguration a warm-up the way i you know taught because i couldn't see my students physically in one room uh, i had to do all my classes online and like teaching a very first piece like an alaripu is so difficult to do without you know actually dancing in front of the student or you know like being with her in the same room to like correct mistakes and it was so handicapping to You don't have to like, you know, so many times I would just like put my hand towards the screen. (laughs) I would like want to, you know, like hold the hand and extend it and all of that. So it was very limiting. Mm. So I think there it was just like literally necessity uh, that kind of led you to find ways. uh, And the willingness to also um, let go Mm. a little bit of the way you were doing it all these years. Uh, Initially, it it was very difficult Mm. because this is how like you enjoy doing things, and you know, that change is never easy. Uh, But I think it comes as a package. Uh, It comes, um, um, and I think uh, uh, we were talking about this in a different context. I think also the support uh, system that you have, um, you know, where you're talking to other dancers, you hear them going through things like this. Uh, uh, I mean, last couple of years, I started collaborating quite a bit, which is something that I, haven't done so much in the past because TFA itself is a big team effort Mm. Uh, so I've never really thought about wanting to collaborate with other dancers or it has never like really come my way Um, and I actually found thinking together a lot of fun Mm. which is a very new way of working for me like thinking with another dancer where of course you have some kind of common bandwidth but of course a lot of differences you know Uh, it's not like you and her are uh, or the other dancer is like really similar or you're going to think of the same thing so for me, collaboration, wanting to collaborate was actually one of the outcomes um, of, as, as you know, of this. as as a process of this um, and also the support system, mm. um, you know, like during the pandemic to have these dance of friends who were also going through things, you know, like when you have performances and, you know, things that you have to deliver, you automatically end up practicing, you know. And here you had nothing, you had no performances, you had no events, you just had to continue sitting at home. Um, and so suddenly practice could be redundant if you wanted and you had to really take it up and say, okay, like I have to build a schedule around it, I have to like go, go out and practice. Um, so that then, you know, like, you know, comparing notes saying, are you able to do this? Is this difficult? Why am I feeling this? Are you feeling this? I think that also like really helped. So. Was
0: it, uh, so I can relate to this, so I'm going to ask you a little more personal set of questions and please feel free to say no. Yes. Uh, when you went through this, was it easy to talk to your support group? I'm thinking when you call it support group, these are people you know from before. Hmm. And so was it easy to pick up the phone in or, or a video conference and say, hey, I'm experiencing this hmm. because... This is very introspective in nature. Yeah. You don't even know if this is right, yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah. And so is it as simple as just picking up the phone and saying, hey, I'm experiencing this. Have you gone through this? Or h- how is that conversation like?
1: Mm. Well, so when I say support group, it's not just people of, you know, peers of my age. Mm. Um, like for me, uh, one of the habits I actually really enjoyed during the pandemic was this short verbal check-in that I used to have with my students so this was an idea that I borrowed from my therapeutic movement sessions where every uh, session would start with a verbal checking in terms of how are you feeling today energetic feel like moving don't feel like moving so um, and because the pandemic was doing a lot of things to like uh, you know school going children working uh, adults uh, we would always start with a check-in so even those check-ins you know where um, You know, I would ask my students, how are you feeling? Do you feel like not dancing at all today? Do you just like, you know, want to, you know, think about some amazing moment that you had in the past? Sometimes we just like spend 20 minutes doing that. Um, So it was was teachers, it was my seniors, it was people that I look up to or like call when I have doubts and second thoughts about something that I'm doing where there is already an established comfort level. Uh, Peers, other dancers um and so i think the pandemic also brought together a lot of people mm. uh, you know emotionally I, I i think that was a good thing and so it was not so difficult to you know put yourself out there and say you know i am going through this mm. so i for me i i didn't find it very difficult to do that because i was quite sure that there were there were a lot of dancers who were going who through are that going as well dance. and rightly so so in a sense yeah I mean there was that vulnerability about it to say you know what if that person says no 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 I'm fine so there was that always but the fact was that I was anyway going through it even yeah. if the other dancer was so my conversation would then be okay then tell me how what are you doing, are you doing it yeah you know yeah. so
2: yeah
0: that's a different and very interesting perspective right because oftentimes when we go through this we are very wary of having a conversation around it mm.
2: this
0: probably is just me kind of a thing Hmm. But what you're talking about is one is being vulnerable, taking a step forward and okay if the other person is not having the same issue yeah. then asking more you know promising questions of how yeah. are you doing this so in this, this situation.
1: also kind of happened with my cohort at RAD. You know well in India we were all going through sorry similar uh, situations and things. Uh, But my cohort with RAD, each of us were going through different situations, like the second wave hit them at different at at a different time. Uh, For us, the second wave uh, was much worse than the first wave. Well, you know, I don't think it was like that for all parts of the world. So, you know, when we were still like really stuck uh, indoors, I think, you know, their studios opened up, you know, people were getting back to work. So I'm like, okay, tell me what this feels like, you know, mm. like at least to kind of hope Prepare, for something. Yeah. And uh, they would say, no, no, you know, just uh, stay at it. You know, there were there was material that sometimes didn't make sense, and then I would just call them and say, okay, you know, why I I I kind of need a little more survey information on this. So even even in that, my cohort there sometimes came up with, you know, you know, our second wave just got over, so that's why we're moving out. So, in a sense, it was okay that they didn't say the same thing that you said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so also then changing the
0: language based on where yeah. the other person is in mm-hmm. that journey. Pretty much everybody is on a journey. And yeah. So, just discovering where the other person is and then reframing your question maybe, Yeah. right? Yeah. To discover how have they done in that case right. or are they even facing it or have they faced it? Yeah. Maybe they've not come there itself, right?
1: Absolutely. Or oh, it's it's a much smaller thing for them, mm. possibly, mm. you know. So, yeah. One One thing that also
0: I thought was important to understand here is we talked about the package. Mm. This is my current package and this is how I want to see my package mm. as. And then taking these small steps towards that big package. Mm. When you're on that journey... It's almost like you're learning to walk in some cases. Unless you're, you know, you're just doing one habit change or something. Yeah. When you're doing a package change, yeah. it's almost like you're starting to walk or learn to walk again. Yeah. yeah. You fall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you
0: do. And so how how do you sort of create cushioning around this to ensure that, uh, is it the support system? Is it more than that? What are some things?
1: Um, It depends on, I think, what that fall is you know um, if it is uh, if it's something that you need somebody outside of you to you know like help you or if it's something that you could just get up and say oh okay this is why I fell this is what happened sometimes it's just been me picking up myself and saying okay this is what happened but it's okay like move on Um, and uh, the whole support system it it's not also that you go to the same person or the same people all the time right um, sometimes it was talking to this uh, senior uh, colleague a director uh, of an institution who's worked with me uh, she's not even a dancer um, and she would completely bring in that outside perspective in terms of like like for me like how small that problem is you know to just add perspective Sometimes that was also necessary. So I would sometimes even talk to non-dancers, you know, people that I find very inspiring, uh, have worked with in some way, you know, have a relationship. So um, each each thing was different. Sometimes it was just talking to my uh, husband, um, you know, because he has, he's a completely different personality than me. Mm. Uh, I'm very dramatic. I'm very vocal um, and all of that. And he must have gone through like a much bigger upheaval that day at work and he would casually just talk about it you know five days later. Mm. So I'm like this happened and I was talking about you know like you know I would have spoken about something like you know when I wear my this thing you know this thing keeps cutting my feet here or you know something like that and he would just be listening to it like it's like the most important uh, problem to solve. So it was also sometimes just talking him talking with him and you know, kind of getting perspective mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, I think um, if you really know where you want to go uh, and if you don't, don't look at it as, a, as something that limits you but as something that, you know, like takes you forward, I think you will find the people that you need to talk to and you will find the questions that you need to ask. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: One of the things... That we talked about earlier in this context was also Kumada about these trial and errors. Mm. And as you're going through these trial and errors, um, how do you prepare your mindset for? It's not always going to be great success. Yeah. But it yeah. could just be okay. I tried. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you have such an experience in this process or
2: Mm, mm.
1: so there have been small unlearning processes where at the end of it i was like oh okay that was actually not necessary or you just come back to what you were doing Mm. you know so that's very much so like like i said earlier it doesn't always take you to a new space
2: Mm.
1: it potentially takes you to revisit something that you've ignored Mm -hmm. for a while you know or uh, there have been um like i've wanted to very actively use uh, for a while laban framework uh, in my teaching um, laban? so laban is basically a movement framework rudolf laban is a movement scientist and so i was so thrilled with that module uh, mm. i was so thrilled with that framework i was really enjoying putting that into my vocabulary and my movement and all of that And I wanted to try this with one set of my students and it absolutely didn't work, Mm. you know, because they were not in that stage. So there are things that you try where, you know, you want to change something, you try something, it doesn't work, you drop it and you find another. So it's very possible that, you know, something that you try uh, doesn't go a certain, you know, long mile or doesn't take you into like a complete new revelation or something. And and I think that's okay. It Mm. still teaches you things that worked and didn't work and mm. I think that's absolutely worth it and actually that's the point of the whole thing it's
0: to your earlier point then it was about the curiosity yeah and you're continuing to stay curious because yeah. it's about trying new things to figure out
1: yeah yeah. where does this take you and in a sense it's a very essential part of dancing mm. uh, being a dancer uh, like any engagement in dance for that matter it's um, you know, there is a constant need to do this, you know, you call it revisiting, you call it rethinking, you call it reconfiguring, you can call it so many different things, but, um, and it's also so necessary, like you were asking me, uh, you know, when we started this uh, interview, uh, you've learned this for so many years. Um, And I think that learning for so many years is very, very fundamental to unlearning. Um, If you don't learn, there is actually nothing to unlearn um so in a sense like if there isn't that rich learning that you know deep engagement and you know otherwise there's nothing to reconfigure so unlearning also happens at a point where your learning needs you know like new perspective new direction um so i i think it's it's very essential to have that you know like solid trajectory of learning for unlearning to even feel significant yeah. um, or to lead you anywhere yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: if I were to ask you to go back to before this process if you can sort of paint a picture of what was Komoda like hmm. and after you've gone through this process paint the picture of how has Komoda transformed w- would it be hard?
1: Um, honestly it's not a dramatic difference mm. it's not a difference where you know, like suddenly, uh, you know, I was probably, I mean, if I had like, let's say there was a dramatic change, like I changed my style from this to that, or I changed, uh, you know, my work, my way of work or what I do in my work. Maybe those changes would have been very dramatic. Um, But for me, it was more of, uh, you know, how I solve a problem. Um, you know, like a, a slightly different approach, a little more inclusive approach to solving things uh, that work for me. I think one big outcome for me is also, um, you know, like how, what what kind of dynamics you have in a classroom. I think that was a dramatic mm. uh, change uh, in unlearning, both when you are learning and, you know, when you are uh, teaching. Because in Indian classical dance, there is this very... Um, uh, valued thing of you know looking at something and you know doing an exact uh, you know a fantastic uh, uh, replica reproduction of a re- mm-hmm. replica of it and there's a lot of value to it because then you also you know pass on a certain lineage and all of those things um, and so the whole classroom dynamics is about do everything that you can to you know like get take this exactly like this forward but The body is different, the person is different, and why they are doing this is not for the same reason as you. Mm. So how should the outcome ever be, you know, the same thing? So I think those were some very uh, dramatic changes in terms of um, the choices that you make. I think to put it in one word, I think the choices that you make going forward uh, was probably the most uh, significant change for me. Like, who are the people that you want to work with? What is the kind of work that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Um, should it be like what everybody else is doing? Um, or is it okay? I mean, it's not a problem if it is like yeah. what everybody else is doing, but you know, you have a reason to do it. Yeah. You know, And maybe you do the exact same thing with somebody else, the same song or the same piece, but like you have an individuality to the way you present it. So I think those very um, unique Ways of thinking and making choices for me was like probably the most significant shift. I love this. Um, <laughs> I love this because it, it, the devil is always in the details. Yeah. Right. And these
0: are not small things. No. Because these are big impacts. Like while you called it as, you know, it's not big. Yeah. yeah. These are not small. Yeah. these are very personality sort of thought processes that you've changed. Yeah. Which has a long run yeah. impact yeah it changes the way you're looking at future work it changes the way you're engaging with your students yeah. it changes the kind of collaborations you're doing your own value proposition how you're looking at it yes a whole bunch of changes as a result of this
2: yeah process
0: that you've gone so when
1: through. i said dramatic i only mean to someone yeah, that's yeah. looking from the outside yeah. so yeah. you know it's not like suddenly i'm this completely different person or you know something like that uh but you know, the way you interact, uh, I think how much it how much what everybody else is doing affects you, yeah. and that's like a big dramatic difference inside my head. You know, the fact that you can let people do whatever you want, whatever they want, but like you it's are just okay, very yeah. sure that you this want to do this. Yeah. I think that's, ju- that's just like dramatically different yeah. in terms of how it feels inside your head, yeah,
0: yeah. knowing your value prop, I guess, yes. right there, right. Yeah. And how has it changed for your students? Because I'm thinking when you're going through this change Hmm. and you're interacting with your students, you're not limiting this to yourself. At least interacting with you, I don't think you're the kind who limits it to yourself. Which means you've been paying it forward as well.
2: How
1: has this changed for your students? So incidentally, a couple of, I think, months back, uh, you know, when the pandemic was slowly showing signs of clearing, right? Uh, because through the pandemic, I was being extremely understanding with my students and I was kind of saying, it's okay, you know, you don't feel like dancing, that's fine, you know, because pe- the students were going through a lot yeah. uh, through in their work, in their school, in their homes. Um, so I would be like extremely understanding, but uh, at some point of time, you know, just this whole unlearning itself kind of uh, highlights what you cannot change about yourself which is like now I'm not someone who is like just this leaning shoulder and a you know therapist kind of a person your teacher is not that I'm here to make you a good dancer right and whatever it takes to do that I will do it and if that means like being a little hard uh, you know maybe you relaxed it for a while and I'm like okay now this is back you know uh, I'm not here to like listen to all your difficulties yes I will on a regular basis but you know to then say okay my job is this my mm. job is to make you a good dancer and if that means that I put you in a you know a little bit of a Uncomfortable. grill or a you know a, you know a difficult phase then I have to do that. So mm. I'm now not going to become, because I was talking about agency and, you know, intrinsic feedback and a lot of these ideologies, that doesn't then change how you have to make sure that this particular posture has to be held. Mm. You know, that doesn't change, but it does change for what is the length of the arm, mm. for example. Mm. So it's very clear where you have to make the change and where you should not make the change. So does it then need them to not practice as much as, you know, they uh, are expected to know. Mm. So that part of it, so at that point of time, I was like, all right, the pandemic chill is mm. done. <laughs> and like, now really, let's get back to action. And this is also something that I told myself, mm. uh, you know, that now you needed to, for want of a better word, well not run rush back to action or anything. But even as I was studying, like even as I was doing my research, my constant, uh, one of these very inspiring scholars and dancers told me, put a post-it on a computer, says, what is is in this for me? Mm. You know, because I am not, I'm not teaching in the Western world. Uh, I don't, I mean, I have some minimal ballet exposure, but I'm not a ballet dancer. So a lot of even somatics and, you know, the Laban framework and all those, you'll find a lot of research work for those forms, you know, for Western forms of dance and hardly any for the Indian, uh, like, what does this mean to Bharatanatyam, for instance? So for me, that one posted saying, what's in this for me? Mm -hmm. Like, how do I bring this into my practice? And, And if it doesn't make sense, then that's not the direction of my final research. So and I had to have a tool and I had to have a concept it can't just be like a you know a philosophical concept my research work it had to translate to so then how can I change my practice Mm. or better my practice for example so I think some sometimes you also need to know what to hold on to and unlearning is a very important part of it Uh, how sorry sorry go ahead. yeah so that's the thing so in a sense you need to unlearn to also understand what's integrally you hmm. what is integrally your form um, and you can't let go of that hmm. because then you know you change identity you you know it takes another form that's you know sometimes unidentifiable yeah yeah uh, how
0: did this really change the future aspect of how you look at your role in the Indian dance space, hmm. um, whether it is with your chore- choreography, whether it is with your own dance, um, mm. as well as your future with the students, has that changed
1: dramatically? Um, well, it has changed. Um, and in some ways, it is a choice of what is the kind of new learning that I want to do now. I think that was a very important choice. Uh, to make out of all the unlearning that I did. There were certain things that I, at some point of time, thought was not necessary for my learning. And uh, somehow at this point of time, I felt like, you know, no, I, I kind of need to have that as part of my learning itself. I need to go and seek that out. Can you
2: give me um, an example?
1: Uh, like, for example, I, I started uh, a new mentorship uh, recently for uh, a very specific um, section of Bharatanatyam learning Uh, uh, I'm not getting into the details because that could be a conversation on its own Mm. but a certain um, style of doing Mm. Abhinaya which is a little more conversational which is not um, you know it doesn't use a lot of you know too much of the gesture it's very conversational it's very matter of fact which is something that you know it's not it's not completely new to me but it's not something that's Like, my element. Hmm. So, to kind of then also bring that into, you know, like, as one of the things that I could easily do, I think that was one of it. And um, 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 just going back to your question again. So, Um, how has it
0: changed for you uh, and for your own future hmm. and also for your students?
1: Yeah, so... For the
0: dance form that you're teaching here.
1: Yeah, I think one big... Uh, future thing for me is um, you know in a sense there is always a disconnect between uh, you know like the knowing and doing in dance you know like either you just keep doing you just keep performing you kind of keep learning a lot of items and you are everywhere and uh, or there is you know a very scholarly Mm. um, research path that I take but I think these are not exclusive Mm. Uh, I mean it is to different extents in different dances but I think at some point of time, everybody does a certain amount of research, everybody does a certain amount of reading, and uh, just this notion where, you know, it's okay to not know, it's okay to not decide, it's okay to not choose, just keep doing this and it will all be okay, is now not acceptable for mm-hmm. me. At the same time, to just like keep sitting and writing paper after paper, and like just play an academic path, um, also this didn't also, work. So that's why that post-it was extremely important. I was like, okay, I'm taking all this in and then how does this then reflect uh, in my practice? So I think connecting that knowing and doing is a very important uh, center of everything that I do in future. Yeah. And do you think during
0: COVID, one of the things that I've seen is when you go, so I, I, I can relate to that because when you're getting better and better at doing something, change is not easy and you get used to it and you're always busy so making time is not an easy thing again and if you like research you enjoy they call it debts by research sometimes yeah you just enjoy that (laughs) bit so somewhere to find a balance and make that time for yourself where you marry these two to create this next impact requires you to consciously put that effort to cover some time
1: Yeah. Mm. And also to manage the things around it. Right. Um, uh, Like, so it's not going to be that everyone around you has the same combination of things, but to be comfortable nevertheless. I mean, I think that's also thanks to an excellent set of friends and peers and, you know, like the support group that I was talking about, the teachers Mm. that actually say this is amazing. Like, you know, what you have is so valuable uh, for them to sometimes you have to hear it in a different voice, Mm. uh, not always. Uh, But then to then be okay saying, okay, today, like for example, today I'm sitting here having this conversation with you, uh, which probably is not like an everyday thing in a dancer's life. Um, So just these kind of things. Like uh, day before yesterday, I was doing a workshop for Spastic Society, which was mostly therapeutic movement. uh, But the person that I am is still the same throughout. It's not that I have to go and be a different person here and be... Even those convergences right to then say okay this is me Mm. wherever I go I take this person Mm. Uh, and maybe like what I focus on in that conversation today it's unlearning Mm. Uh, but another day like let's say this evening I go back to a class I would be talking about a certain piece and I would be talking about like maybe uh, you know a certain expression or certain Abhinaya aspect or you know the focus changes Uh, I think it's also being comfortable in your skin saying Mm. Yeah, I know that your life is different slightly from mine, even though we are both dancers. But this is my choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To kind of just be comfort. I think that comfort also sometimes comes from unlearning. From unlearning. You know, oh, like, am I supposed to do more of that? Uh, you know, why am I not doing that? And all of that. Or why am I doing this at this stage? Mm. You know, just these questions then are not, I mean, are quietened when you know why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond...
0: Uh, your journaling were there any other tools that you were using in this process to see how you're progressing mm-hmm. or for reflections or for future references my practice
1: Saujanya, just dancing mm. you know there's sometimes no better I mean uh, I started my workshop two days back in spastic saying movement is our first language right we move before we speak right uh, and then somehow we actually unlearn that you know, we start speaking more and somehow movement wow. then takes, yes. you know, a sidestep. And uh, so for me, like as I was dancing, you know, like what I would feel, you know, I would sometimes just go, not every practice used to be pleasant. Sometimes you'd come out of it feeling like, oh God, okay, that is a problem, uh, for instance. So every practice would not like be happy and great and But just that dancing, I mean, the journaling itself, in a sense, was secondary because sometimes you don't find the words. Like I said, unlearning itself was a much later coinage. Uh, But dancing somehow just gives you this feedback, you know, it just tells you, come again tomorrow, like do this, you'll find this, you'll find this. So it just like brings you back. So I think dancing really like kept reassuring me that you know, this was going somewhere and, you know, it was not some kind of... A I think you
2: were
0: putting it back and, into practice every day in that case.
1: Yeah, almost every day. I'm not, a, to be honest also, I'm not someone that just uh, goes and dances every single day. Mm. But I, as much I'm as I'm not like a big fan of routines, I'm not a sucker for, you know, I have to go at this time and do this. I can't go to the same place of work all five days of the week. I've always kept my life like that. I have to do Mondays like this, Tuesdays like this, you know, Wednesdays like this. Uh, One day of not doing anything and just sitting at home and like writing something, for example. So, in a sense, I've kind of kept a routine that is, you know, not uh, the same thing all the time. Which works for you. Which works for me. Yeah. So... So I'm not someone that practices every single day, Mm. but my regularity, in a sense, picked up in the pandemic, because like I was saying, we didn't have a performance, we didn't have anything to work towards for quite some time. Um, So I think you then had to, you know, cover your ground. (laughs) And I think, you know, the, the material was also an overdose for me like the content that I had to deal with for my uh, research was becoming an over so dancing actually would help me process it Mm. so you know you would have revelations you would have read things that would have just been words and then when you dance it it then becomes a phenomenon it becomes something that your body can feel Um, and there was a lot of research that I was also reading that A lot of time the thinking is not always here Mm. this is something that you know we tell students in very late terms muscle memory Mm. you know your hand knows after a while where to go etc but like your body is a thinking instrument it's not like your body is a dumb executor of whatever your head tells you so just that non-binary notion uh, itself keeping creeping into practice was very freeing very Mm. freeing yeah Any parting
0: thoughts to my audience on, you know, who are on an
1: unlearning journey? Uh, I would say keep at it. Um, You know, it's okay to modulate it. Like, Mm. let's say at at a certain point, it's taking you to a space where you are not comfortable um, to kind of keep at it and not have to either like completely abort or, you know, have to force and take it somewhere. Sometimes it takes time sometimes it's a quick you know five-day process uh, literally so to kind of just trust um, you know your intuition a little bit uh, like when I was saying that first feeling incidentally I mean all of this sometimes take very fancy words in your journal right like I was saying that feeling was somewhere here and I was like but that's my where my gut is Hmm. you know so sometimes this is just really your gut that tells you Okay, you're going through something yeah. so I think that's something that you really have to trust um, and to also at the other end not overdo this you know at some point you have to say okay like you know I got all this how do I now bring this back to what I do so or you know how do I change what I do or how do I you know better what I do so I think there is really a balance, balance. that one needs to strike um, sometimes it happens naturally sometimes I think we have to Consciously intervene and bring it in. So, well,
0: Kumuda, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this time. I know you drove quite a distance (laughs) to be in the studio, but thank you so much. Uh, Uh, Complete justice to this topic. (laughs) No,
1: I'm actually so thankful to you. Like I said, uh, to speak to a completely non-dance world about something that uh, a dancer went through as a kid. You know, I would always keep saying what changes if I choreograph a Tilana or not? Yeah, You know, like how does it make a difference for a non-dance crowd? So I, and I think that way, this is a very exciting thing for me to just completely be spotted because you were just so interested in the idea of unlearning. No, because I I think I would
0: highly recommend, I'll put the link as well in the YouTube uh, when we go live. Um, The article that you wrote, um, I really liked the thoroughness of it. Hmm.
2: Um,
0: And then I think when we spoke, um, I could really connect with the nuances. So this was not just an article, just with the research. There was um, an experience behind it. And so that's why I thought it's very important. I
1: actually also have to thank you for, you know, coming from a space where you really wanted to know this, you know, and not just have some very token questions of you know like what is this how do you do this um, i mean i you shared all those things that you read uh, you went through in your own work in your own shifts um, and to like have a very meaningful conversation is not very easy so yeah. thank you for that as well i think well, that you. then adds to the quality
2: of the conversation thank you thank you so much <laughs>